Hi friends, this is JFET. Whether you're around the corner or across the world, welcome to The Daily Walk. I want you to take a moment today to pause in Jesus and see what new thing could take place in your life. At the end of this podcast, you can download our app, Boulder Church, or visit us online at boulder.church to connect. And remember, we would love to hear from you as we prepare for our messages every Saturday morning on The Daily Walk. Good morning. Welcome to Daily Walk. It's Tuesday, June 26. I am Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Jafit de Oliveira. Jafit, would you go ahead and say yeah. a prayer for us? Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you again. Thank you for a fresh day. Thank you for the opportunity to pause in your name. Uh, God, may your spirit lead us into fresh insights. I ask this every day because it's needed for my soul, needed for the way we process truth, the way that we live our lives, and uh, ask God for a blessing on our communities and all those around us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Now, if you're a regular Daily Walk listener, then you know that Tuesday means one thing. That means that it is the message paraphrase, which means I'm going to be really happy. I love the message. So again, we're reading Romans 3, 21 to 31. Subtitle this time is God has set things right. So that's, that's a bit different than what we've had before. Yeah. But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets... W- prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us, and not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. So where does that leave our proud Jewish insider claims and counterclaims? Canceled? Yes, canceled. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We we respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. And where does that leave our proud Jewish claim of having a corner on God, also canceled? God is the God of outsider non-Jews as well as insider Jews. How could it be otherwise since there is only one God? God sets right all who welcome his action and enter into it, both those who follow our religious system and those who have never heard of our religion. But by shifting our focus from what we do to what God does, Don't we cancel out all our careful keeping of the rules and ways God commanded? Not at all. What happens, in fact, is that by putting that entire way of life in its proper place, we confirm it. I I quite like that. I like the bit about trying to run the parade. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Thinking, yeah, I mean, sometimes it does make sense to just sort of realize that you're not in control of everything, that you don't get to decide how everything should go. Or what God should think is right or not, or who he should judge. 
Yeah, there are there are definitely. I mean, it's a paraphrase, right? And so Eugene's really pouring into here his interpretation of what he believes Paul was trying to pull out of this text. And there's some beautiful things inside here. There's some things that I feel like hmm, that's an interesting take on it that that I think is is, is kind of unique as well. But I I do love uh, what Eugene tries to pull out of it. And this is a very powerful passage. So where where does Elijah want us? Uh, what a question does Elijah have us reflect on today? And he's actually got, pulling something interesting here. He's saying, how can we reconcile what Paul wrote to the church in Romans 3, 21 to 23, with what Jesus tells his followers in Matthew 5, 20? So how can we reconcile what Paul wrote to the church in Romans 3, 21 to 23? Well, you're going to have to remind us, gonna, what did Paul yeah. say in those three right, verses, so, and what on earth did Jesus say in Matthew 5, All right, 20? so here we go. Romans 3, 21 to 23 says this, but now... The righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Paul says. And then he asks us, with how do we reconcile that with what Jesus tells his followers in Matthew 5.20, which says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a good, a good comparison. Oh, well, okay, I have a yeah. theory. Okay. I think Jesus was being kind of funny, <laughs> like saying, well, if, like, unless your athletic ability exceeds that of that couch potato over there, you will never make it into the 5K that you're... Right. Yeah. So maybe he's implying that their righteousness is not that great, that anyone could exceed it. Another possibility is that the way to exceed someone in terms of righteousness is to take hold of faith rather than works. And that would also be a way of exceeding the scribes and Pharisees who relied solely on works. And that would kind of merge the two texts together in a way where they're not contradictory. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I I think that's obviously... You can't just take the one verse. I think you're actually on the spot on, but I think you can't take the one verse on its own. You'd have to read the verses before. Well, except that's not what Elijah asked I us know. to do. He did Elijah's not ask me. With us. And I hate it when people say that you have to, you can never look at the one text. You, you have it. to read all this that's stuff really around it. Well, I don't hate it. It's just Thank you. Okay. sometimes it's like, look, I'm talking about this one text. I don't want to have to read the entire Bible. But if you it read the whole Bible, oh, I know. Oh, I knew you were going to bring yes. that up. I knew you were going to bring that Japheth's up. Japheth's father, if you ask him a question about the Bible, thanks for mentioning that. It's my father. That's good. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, true. Okay, but if you do, if you but do, he bring will it up. go back and say, "Well, in the beginning there was a garden, and in the garden God put a tree." And it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not talking about the Garden of Eden. I'm asking you know a different really question. Funny. You know what's really funny? What? Um, I now see why he does that. Because, because you're starting to do it. Oh, because, my goodness. No, no, it's not because I'm starting to do it. It's yes. Because, because it makes so much sense to start at it the beginning. It takes so long. I know, but but if you if you allow yourself some time, oh, like, you know, about a week to understand this single verse, it's really worthwhile. Okay, well, we have, like, what, probably four more minutes or <laughs> no, something? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So we're not going to start at the tree in the Garden of Eden to answer this question. But no. Yeah, you were going to say something about. I don't context. know. Maybe we should read the whole text. I mean, just just not the whole text, just the the, the portion of text, like you know, verse seventeen. What in Matthew? In Matthew. Okay, well, all go right. Ahead. So here it goes. Seventeen. Do to not 19? think. Okay. Yeah, verse seventeen. Do not think. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, 
until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, I have one question. It says something about um, everything being finished. I don't have the text in front of me. I was going oh, yeah. just by my mind. Mm-hmm. So at what point was everything finished? Would that be at his death? Because that would be something of an explanation. That the kind of the law thing, read that again. Do you not think that, that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them for a true and heaven and earth. Uh, let me see. Therefore... Where did you see the word finish? I don't know if it was the word finished until the end of things or something like that. If I tell you, yes, you can take the text. Does it say that? So, I look, I do think that you were right about the text, though. I mean, as you're looking oh, at... Oh, until yeah. heaven and earth pass away. Mm. That was what it was. So it's just saying for eternity. Like, it's, it's in perpetuity. And I think that's actually true about the way you understood the text because that's actually what he is saying, tongue-in-cheek a little bit inside there. But he is saying to them, look... You look at the way that they dress. You look at the way that they behave. And it's interesting that he picks up on scribes and Pharisees. He doesn't just pick up on one of them, but he picks up on these, on these two distinct groups. So this is an entire message on its own, um, and it's true. And I, I think it's great that uh, Eli is asking us to compare both these passages together because Paul is saying, look, God's righteousness pulls you together. Jesus is actually saying, look, you've looked to these scribes and Pharisees, and Jesus is saying, I need you to exceed these people because their form of righteousness is not actually authentic. Well, and actually, if I think about it, I don't think that it's a bad thing to try to be extremely good. No, I don't. I'm yeah, quite no. in favor of that. Yeah. Really. It, I think that God actually calls us to this. And this is what Paul says at the end of the passage, but right? You, the thing the is law doesn't get nullified. We usually don't, we don't um, stop in- ourselves with just trying to be extremely good ourselves. We either decide that it's our mission to make other people extremely good, like to help them improve by nitpicking at them, oh, or okay. we think that our way of becoming extremely good is yeah. just pointing out how bad everybody else is in yeah. comparison. Which is what we talked a little bit about uh, early in the week, yeah. That's but yeah, true. I mean, really, if you figured that the laws of God are, are ultimate goods, Yes. In an absolute way. Yes. And that following those would make you a better person and yeah. a happier person, then there wouldn't be any logical reason to not do mm-hmm. them. It would be stupid, in fact. Yeah. And I actually. Now, th- that isn't to say that it's easy to do them or that we do or anything else, but it does make sense. Yeah. And I actually think that's actually what, uh, what Paul is trying to pull us through this text all the way through here, and he's going to continue developing all the way through the, the whole letter where he's saying, look, it doesn't nullify at the end, right? It doesn't nullify the law because God set up this law. It's a good thing for you to be in relationship with him. But, hey, look, our time is done, and so we can develop this some more. Think about this today. Read those two texts yourselves, Romans 3, 21, 23, and Matthew 5, 20. Uh, there's actually a really great sermon on the Boulder Church website on Matthew 5, 20. You're welcome to listen to it and I encourage you to do so. Um, it's from The One Project, and uh, it's uh, we did a whole sermon series on the Sermon on the Mountain. Really worthwhile looking at that. So I encourage you to, do, to reflect on that um, and think about this question one more time, how 
Paul uses it, how Jesus uses it, and what they're calling you to. Until then, live love. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Daily Walk podcast today. Hey, if you remember, if you have any questions, reach out to us online at boulder.church. And if you can help support us, please feel free to give online at boulder.church forward slash give. Until next time, look after each other and live love.